You're listening to Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum or watching on YouTube, where you can also subscribe. Ryan, good afternoon. Good afternoon. It's a special day. We have a special surprise for you at the end of the show in the outro. And uh, I think you'll think of it as a nice surprise. It will be a nice surprise, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's something that hasn't happened in over a year. Oh, nigh upon. Yeah. A year. Yeah. We've got a great guest today talking about, talk about mental health. Talk about a guy who lets it all out, puts it all out there on the table and says, this is me. This is what happened. This is who I am. This is what I think of everything. And... Man, it blew me away, and I just, David Harewood just uh, knocked me off my socks with some of his stories and his honesty, and uh, I really, really appreciated him to come on and be uh, divulge so much. Um, before we get into that, uh, letting you know that my band Sunspin has a concert, and it's coming up very soon. It is this coming Saturday, May 29th, 2 p.m., 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. You can get tickets if you just go to sunspin.com. They could redirect you there. You could also get merch. You can get, uh, you could book me for a Zoom or you book us for the band for a Zoom. And uh, you could book the band if you want. People have done that. We've played at an outdoor place and it's been fun. Uh, Did you just burp? I did. Well, thank you. uh, (laughs) I can't can't hide this stuff anymore. That validates my band, (laughs) Sunspin. You could also follow us at at Sunspin Band on all social media, which would be really, really nice. And on Spotify, follow us, please. We're now on Spotify and trying to get those listeners up. And I think you'll enjoy the 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 band, the album, Sunspin called Best Days. Uh, inside of you, online store is open. We've got Lex Luthor stuff, Smallville lunchboxes left. We've got hats and shirts and mugs and tumblers and just all sorts of fun stuff. So you might want to go there. And if you want to follow the podcast, you could do that, Ryan. At Inside of You Pod on Twitter, at Inside of You Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. There's no, a dog. Blanche just walked in. Out. Oh. Please get the hell out. I love you. Get the hell out. Thank you. You already had your walk. She just comes in here like, <laughs> what's going on? Um, and it, please subscribe. I always say this, but it really helps the show when you subscribe. You tell others. And if you're enjoying yourself and you, you like the podcast, you want to continue. I would ask you to just uh, get other people to listen and subscribe. Guys, I love you. Thank you to all my patrons. Uh, I'd love you to join patreon.com slash inside of you. Join the family. I will send you a message right after you join. Uh, It helps the podcast on the side. You get the little perks. There's tears. Check it out. Patreon.com slash inside of you. And um, patrons a good time. So I hope you you, you join the family. And um, I'm still trying to have Camp Rosie. And that's going to probably happen next year. And uh, if you're a patron, you'll be invited first. There are guidelines, you know, mm-hmm. um, and things like that, you know, um, but it will be a lot of fun I'm trying to have as much fun in my life as I can I'm trying to enjoy things more, I'm trying to enjoy, you know what? Hey, I'm, I'm really today. I feel positive. I feel I'm, I'm, I'm just I'm happy. I'm proud of myself for sticking with this podcast. I'm proud of uh, you guys or thankful more, more for being grateful for you guys for sticking with me. Uh, I'm always talking about how I want to grow the audience and all that. But at the end of the day, it's, it's I still love doing it. I still love everyone. Uh, big shout out to Cumulus and uh, to Ryan, my editor engineer, and to Bryce, who tries to make these or does make these shows even better by tightening them up and giving you a little, giving you a, something pleasant to listen to, I hope. Uh, great podcast with Kiefer Sutherland and Jason Patrick. People are talking about that. Charisma Carpenter from last week. People are loving that. A lot of stuff went viral if you haven't listened to it. 
Erica Christensen from Parenthood and Traffic. We try to get into it, and uh, today we're going to get into it. So without further ado, from the show Supergirl, he's been in tons of stuff. He has a fascinating, fascinating story. So brace yourself. Let's get inside of David Harewood. It's my point of view. You're listening to Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum. Inside of you with Michael Rosenbaum was not recorded in front of a live studio audience. Do you, since you're filming, do you have to get COVID tests constantly? Three times a week, dude. And how much do you hate it on a scale from one to hate? It's necessary, and actually, we feel. Uh, to be honest with you, we we uh, it's. I feel safer on set than I do um, offset because at least I know on set everyone's tested and um, you know everyone's playing by the rules. Whereas you know in real life. You know, you don't know, you don't know who's doing what. So, so um, uh, I feel quite safe. It's, I feel quite safe on set, and they've they've they've, they've gone some way to to making us feel very safe. You know, well, you know, I've talked to a lot of actors and I hear all the stuff because I've chosen not to act during this time. And, you know, I hear on set it's, you know, you're you're wearing masks. Sometimes they have these little devices you have to put on to rehearse these certain masks, these like plexiglass things. That, it just it just feels like it's, uh, you know, it's uh, when you're on set, you want to be comfortable. You're already in your head. You want to be great. You want to do your job. And now you got all this other shit around you. It feels like it's a pain in the ass and it takes time to at least get used to how many, I mean, how long have you been doing it like this? Oh, since the beginning. Um, it, and it's, it's, um, it's, uh, it's tough, man. It's tough. You know, as, as I say, you're, it's a, it's, it's not a great way to go out. This is our last season. Um, so, you know, we're all, I mean, I, I still don't know what half the makeup girls look like, you know, it, it, it's like everyone's got this mask on. So, so we're all sort of, shrouded in fucking gel and um and masking and ppe and uh, it, it it does occasionally get um um uh, annoying and, and grating but it's, it's listen if, if if it's keeping everybody safe let's just just let's do it are there some actors that you're uh working with you don't have to give me names but it's just like while you're doing it they're just they they can't deal some deal with it better than others but some are like fuck come on i fucking can't got this fucking mask on and they did you- no, everyone's everyone's really getting into it. Everyone's you know everyone's really uh, everyone's really really um, the pitching in because you know we all we, I mean you know I mean I, you know the, the the very first lockdown you know that was the first time in nine years that I stopped working. Um, wow! And it was it was great. It was great, and it was it was it was nice to be um, to suddenly you know find that you, know, you could. You know, you were, you were, had been told to stop, and it was very refreshing. I have to say, very refreshing. But towards the end of it, you know, I started to realize, I started to think, started to get a, you know the heebie-jeebies. I wanted to get back to get back to it. Yeah. Um, I feel very lucky that that I'm, you know, some of my friends have worked a, a day since the whole thing started. So um, I feel very lucky that I'm working, uh, and, and very fortunate that I'm working. And you know, this it's a fucking pandemic, and so many people have lost their jobs. <laughs> yeah. I've got no money and 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 are really struggling. So so I guess I, I feel very grateful um, that that I've uh, I've had the opportunity to work, and even more grateful that everybody on set is uh, is pitching in and and um, you know getting on with it. Yeah. Do you do you feel like you're someone who has to work? Like I, I know a lot of my friends who, if they're not working, they go insane. I think I go a little insane. Do you feel like 
uh, the anxiety creeps in, all these other start, these outside factors, you get, you get inside your head if you're not working? Um, maybe back in the day, um, but you know, you know that, but, 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 um, that was to do with, um, just trying to keep a roof over the head. You know, I mean, you know, when you're, when you're skinned and you, you know, you, you and you, and you know, you're just jobbing, going from job to job and, you know, opportunities are, opportunities are, um, are, are, are rare and, um, you know, it, it, it can get very frustrating and, you, you know, you, you, you just, you just want to be, not just want to be working. You want to be. You know, I can remember a week, two, a couple of weeks before, stare, you know, I got homeland, staring up at the fucking ceiling. You know, the two kids in the in the other bedroom. I couldn't pay the rent. I couldn't pay the mortgage. I, I was broke. And I so so it was it was it was a case of, you know, I've got to work. You know, I've got to get out there and 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 find a gig. And you know, maybe, maybe I need to. You know, go and drive a bus or something. You know, because because you've got, make, you've got to make some money. Fortunately, those days seem to be behind me. Um, but I'm not. I'm not like a. I don't. Know, I don't always have a Jones for work. I mean, I, I. I'm really looking forward to getting to the end of this current gig and and kind of re- reassessing and and spend and and saying no. I haven't been in a position to say no to work for um, years uh, or, or ever. So um, it's going to be nice to sit back and and choose the direction I want to go next as opposed to having to jump on something just because I need to pay the mortgage. Yeah, it seems like there'd be a lot more stress too, not only when you're trying to support two kids and put a roof over your head, but at the same time you're on set and you just have a new job and this is it. You're like, oh my God, this means so much, so much more than a lot of people when they're working and they take it for granted, people take it for granted. But it just seems like the pressure to be great, to be good, to keep your job would be more intense. Did you feel like that in the first uh, first go at it? Yeah, I mean, I'd never done an American accent before, so so it, 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 there was you know a huge pressure on me to to. I, mean, I had sixteen days from getting the getting the gig to, to starting the gig, so there was pressure on me to to you know learn the accent. Um, uh, and you know you're working opposite you know great actors, Mandy Patinkin, Claire Danes, you know, and I I'd been out of work for nine months, uh, and so so it, it it took some sort of mental it took a leap of sort of mental faith and, and sort of belief in yourself to to get there and go, you know what, I'm going to put all that shit out out of my head. I'm just going to turn up on the day and, and try and be the best that I can be. But, you know, it's, it's, it was nerve-wracking. But, um, yeah. You, know, you try and put all that stuff out of your head. Well, it just seems like fear is something that I know as an actor you, you get right away when you get the job and someone's like, you're hired, and then all of a sudden, can I do it? Can I... You know, all these, and you're like, what are you talking about? You've been doing this. You've done this your whole life. How do you, and then that fear, it's overwhelming. And then the more you work on it, the more you start to do things that starts to dissipate or whatever. Absolutely. And, you, you know, it's, it, you're never going to not have that fear. You know, you, you know, you, you always, I think most actors, the first day for most actors is always a little bit nerve wracking. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, you're in a new company, um, dealing with expectations. Uh, you know, I've, I've known actors be fired after the read-through, you know, to get the job and then be fired after the read-through or get the job and be fired after a couple of days. You know, it's, it's so, you know, you never feel a hundred percent. Um, You can't feel a hundred percent safe. Right. You know, so, so, so I think, you know, going in and just doing, giving it your best. If you give it your best, you know, and it doesn't work out, you know, you've got to just take your hats off to that and, 
Uh, you know, I've been close to that in a couple, a couple of, you know, once or twice. Um, but you know, you can only do your best now. Um, I, you know, if I turn up and my best, my best isn't good enough, it's not good enough. I know. I say that. See, I, I, I say that, David. I say, you know what? Fuck them. Do your shit. Do what you do. And if it all falls apart, and then it falls apart, and you're like, where's the tough guy now? Huh? Where's the tough guy? And I've, I've, I haven't been fired a lot, but I've been fired before where I sat there and I hung up the phone. I, you know, the producer calls me and he was in tears because he was like, this is a shock. I, you know, we already shot the thing. And I remember he says, like, I just want to get to it, but you know, this is the way it is. And, and, and I said, Hey, listen, let's not make this weird. I love you. I love working with you. Let's just, you know, Hey, we'll keep in touch, man. I appreciate the job. And I hung up and I, I, it was one of those moments where I'm numb. You're numb and you look at the ceiling and you see the one spot of black or whatever it is on the ceiling and you just stare at it. And then I took a deep breath and I go, my dog came up to me and I go, oh, but look, I have this dog and I have a roof over my head and I'm not dead. And I started to say these yeah. gratitudes, which kind of helped, even though I half believed them, half didn't. But I've been in that position where you're like, okay, and you're almost embarrassed I think you are. I think part of it's embarrassment. Like everybody's going to know I got fired. No one's going to hire me. I, I'm, it, you know, it's it's a very difficult kind of thing. You can easily spiral downward. But I didn't. Oh, without a doubt, and, and I, that's why it's important to. I'm sure, your dog pulled you out of it, you know. But it's it's important to to have, uh, you know, uh, you know, to, to to have that strength of mind. I think you know, I, I you know, I, I say I did a documentary years, a couple of years ago on failure in the acting industry. Uh, and it's really interesting how, at first, nobody wanted to talk to me. <laughs> at first, everybody went, well, fuck, I, I'm not touching that. You know, it, it, I don't want to touch failure. <laughs> but, you know, w w once I started kind of opening up the subjects and talking about difficult times they've had in their careers or a bad review, or a series of bad reviews, a bad word, you know, you start to understand it's just another part of the business that you have to navigate. That, you know, yeah, you can be on the highs. The highs are great. Fucking highs are great. Getting work, money, all that's great. But the lows are, t lows are hard. And sometimes the lows, I think you learn more in the lows than you do in the highs. It's in the lows when you sit there and go, let me fucking figure out, let me think about this. Let me think about this. I mean, you know, how am I doing today? You, know, you really have to work on yourself and really kind of get in touch with, with, with you know, with, with something that I, I, you know, I think will teach you resilience. You know, you'll learn resilience. You know, you, you don't learn anything from success. You know, you just bob along when everything's going well. Yeah, it's great. It's only when you hit a hard time that you go, let me ask, you start asking yourself questions. You start thinking, am I tough enough to get through this? Am I, am I resilient enough to get through this? Can, you know, can I, you know, can I push through this difficult time? And you know, I've had difficult times. And, you know, right now things are great. But um, if I hadn't have had those tough times, I don't think I'd appreciate the times I, where, where I am now. So I, you know, I, I see, I see, I see those dark days as 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 a part of the business and um, uh, to be to be embraced just as much as as the uh, you know the successful. Yeah, moments. and when you when you think about it, especially nowadays with Twitter and everybody's just on to the next thing. That failure, what is it really? You know, you do something, you're on Twitter for maybe a minute, and then you're gone. And I start to say to myself, Michael, no one gives a shit about you, really. No one gives a shit. Just fucking do it. And if you fail, somebody's going to go, oh, my God, he fell. Oh, next thing. Oh, look at this. This guy fell on his head. <laughs> you know what I mean? 
it's one of those things where it's just uh, what's the word? It just it's ephemeral. It's short lived. It's it and, and that that gives me comfort in a way, knowing that yeah, I'm not that fucking important. That, that's that's it's not that important. You know, it really is. You know, it's you know, people dying of cancer and COVID. You know, I mean, there's there's real stuff going on in, in the world. Yeah. And you know, I, I I I you know, I think you you got to keep a keep a keep a handle on um, you know, allowing things to spiral out of control. I think. Did you always want to be an actor? No, I mean, I, I, I don't know. You know, I, I was, a, you know, I was a bit of a clown at school. You know, a bit of a fucking idiot. Um, <laughs> just, I, I wasn't very academic. I just didn't find it interesting. And um, I do now, which is weird. You know, but you know, uh, I don't think then I was developed enough to really understand the the uh, finer points of geography and sociology. I was like, how am I going to apply? I was. I'm going to apply any of this to my life because it all seems like nonsense. So I couldn't really ever tune into it. So I was messing around and um, back of class and, and um, I was always up for a school play, always up for messing, you know, always up for jumping in school plays and stuff. And at the end of uh, my school, I was about five weeks away from leaving school and a teacher called me, called me, uh, called me at home and said, you know, come into the school. We'd like to talk to you. So I, I went in. And um, didn't know what he was going to say. He, you know, he said, he said, what are you, what are you going to do when you leave school here? And I said, I, I, I don't know. You know, shrug my shoulders. <laughs> and he just said, uh, well, we've been talking in the staff room and we all think you should be an actor. Fucking light bulb went on in my head. I just went, fuck, of course. It sounds like a great idea. Not, not knowing how you did it, how you became one. It just, it just seemed to fit my sort of... Uh, worldview um and i sort of um spent the next uh you know two three years auditioning going to drop going to went to the national youth theater i was told at the national youth theater and i was invited back to the national youth theater the following year and they said i should go to drama school so i auditioned for a load of drama schools and got into rada which is one of the best drama schools in the fucking world and i had no idea that that was gonna you know it was all a fluke because it was all a fluke because i I actually cancelled my RADA audition because I got in somewhere else, not knowing anything about drama schools. I wrote off to a whole load of drama schools, uh, rejected from the first three, and uh, went to the next one and was accepted and just cancelled all the remaining auditions, which happened to be the remaining ones with the top five drama schools in the country. And for some bizarre reason, the RADA letter never arrived. The my cancellation letter never arrived. So they phoned me up the day after I was supposedly supposed to be there and asked me why I didn't turn up. And I just old face lied. I said, probably my mother was ill. And they said, Well, it's your lucky day because somebody's dropped out uh, on Friday, you know, which was the next following day. I said, Would you like another shot? And I went, Yeah, sure. I just went down without care in the world, didn't give a fuck. Uh, yeah, you know, and I got in, and um, I cancelled the crap place, which uh, and then <sighs> ended up going to Rada. Royal so, Academy it, it of Dramatic good. Arts, you got into almost as an accident. Now, yeah, I mean, do you think if those people didn't call you in high school and say, "Look, David, we think never, you, you never would have done it"? No, I get it, and 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 this is a this is a this is a um. You know, I, I touch upon this, and I'm writing my. I've just written my first book, and I touch upon this 
in that, this sense of value that 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 I, I struggled with. I have a you know in, in Britain as a as a young black kid, there weren't any black people on television. There was very few depictions of black success, uh, in, you know, in 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 on on British television. So my as a working class first generation immigrant child, I was very my expectations of what I could do were really quite basic. You know, I thought it was probably a factory or assembly line or, you know, I didn't, I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't even, I didn't even think it was possible for me to be an actor. So, you know, I just hadn't, you know, so if they hadn't suggested it, I certainly wouldn't have tried, tried to do it. it. I just would have thought that stuff was off limits to me. Um, and it took me a while to settle into that, into the profession, into the, into the kind of mold. Um, but, but that sense of value, it's, I've been battling with it for years, years. You know, I, I, I've had a, I've had a, America's given, America's given me a, a load of it. It's given me a load of that, of that, of that acknowledgement, you know, Homeland, come on in, you know, Supergirl, come on in, you want to direct the show, direct the show, you, know, you want a movie, here's a movie, you know, and I've never had any of that in England, never had any of it. So it was sort of it's my sense of value. I think I found my sense of value uh, in, in America. So it's going to be interesting to go back to England, which is really not given me very much um, to, to to see if I can maintain this sense of self worth because uh, it's a t- it's it's a battle in England. It's a battle. Do you feel like there's more racism there? Did you feel like growing up that that it was just like you could just feel it? You felt like. You know, they're looking at me differently. There, did you feel it there? Well, I mean, you know, this is an interesting conversation to be having with an American because, you know, I mean, American. It's it's an it's an admitted fact in America. Racism is an admitted fact in America. Yeah, you, you talk about it openly, talked about. It's a fact of life. You deal with it. Whereas in England, there was a report literally just released this morning, which apparently says institutional racism doesn't exist. Racism, it doesn't exist. Uh, uh, Britain is a beacon of diversity around the world, and uh, we should look for other reasons as to why a disproportionate number of people of colour are still at the bottom end of the socioeconomic ladder. I mean, it's the ultimate gaslighting that, that Britain is, is, in, is involved with right now. To say that, you know, besides this whole thing with, not that I'm a royalist at, at all, but this whole thing with Meghan and Harry and all this stuff, you know, the, the following day after that interview, when Oprah's interview went out, the whole fucking Britain was shaking. Us? Racist? Right. We're not racist. It's your fault. How dare you say we're racist? In England, to accuse somebody of racism, to, to, to point out racism in England, is to accuse somebody of being, is to leave yourself open to accusations, accusations of being called a racist. So you can't even have the discussion in Britain because it's denied, it's ignored. It's it's disparaged, uh, so, so I can't even have that conversation. So all Oof. this, you know, it, it, it's it's a it's a very peculiar mindset that, that 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 we find ourselves in in Britain, and it, so so it, it's it, it that that ties into my to, and I'm, I'm not surprised as to why so many. You know, I did a documentary a couple of years ago about mental health and. You know, Black Britons are ten times more likely to suffer from mental health conditions, four times more likely to be sectioned under the Mental Health Act 
And it's no surprise because you're you're being gaslit the whole the whole time by people who tell you that your life experience, your lived experience, actually doesn't matter or is a figment of your imagination. So um, it's a, it's a tough one in, in England. Wow. It's, it's, it's a tough. It's a really it's a really tough one there. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I don't know how many times I have to talk about this, but it's so important. If you're sitting there right now and you're stressed or you're anxious or you have a lot on your mind and you just bottle it up and you don't know what to do, it's going to come out and it's not going to come out in great ways all the time. Um, BetterHelp has helped me substantially. Ryan here has been using it for a while. And I, you know, don't you notice when you don't use BetterHelp? When you don't have therapy. Oh, the weeks where I miss a session? Of course, yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's, it's like the more you talk about something, even if you don't think you have anything to talk about, things come up and it puts your mind at ease. And we all carry around different stressors, you know, big and small. And at times we keep carrying them around rather than processing them and letting them go. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. Therapy from BetterHelp is helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. It's for all of us. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. I think people think, oh, what if I don't like my therapist? If you don't, you switch them. It's that easy. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash inside today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash inside inside of you is brought to you by rocket money i love rocket money you know why because everyone should have rocket money because it just helps you save money how many times do we have subscriptions that we don't even know we have anymore and we're paying so much money it's just throwing away money ryan i i found one you and you did it you told I me found, i got rocket money okay i found one it i'm embarrassed to say how long it's been going on but thank you for finding it <laughs> my god it was embarrassing <laughs> yeah because it's like you want to watch some show and you go oh, i have to subscribe to this uh this streaming uh, whatever mm -hmm. and you you start streaming the show you watch it you leave and you forget after this trial period it kicks in and it's they're charging terrible. you 10 bucks a month it's, it is embarrassing Ugh. you know 75 percent of people have subscriptions they've forgotten about before i started using rocket money i thought i had you know, like, oh, I have like five subscriptions. I could not believe it when they showed me I was paying for like four extra uh, between, you know, streaming advices and fitness apps, delivery services. It's never ending. And thanks to Rocket Money, I'm no longer wasting money on the ones I forgot about. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. Rocket Money will even try to negotiate lowering your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is submit a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. They'll deal with the customer service for you. I like that. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. 
Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash inside. That's rocketmoney.com slash inside. Rocketmoney.com slash inside. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. Do you ever go back to your old teachers who brought you in that day? I always feel like there's, you know, there's a certain amount of people who believe in you while you're growing up that help you in your career, whatever Absolutely. it is. There's like, I could, I could pick, there's like a handful that said that they believed in me. They kept bringing me back. Do you ever go see them? Oh yeah. I mean, I went to see, um, I actually did a documentary with the te- the very teacher who told me to be an actor. Uh, we, we, um, uh, I, I did a documentary that. back at my old school um, where, 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 where he used to teach me and, and the uh, producers at one point um, sent him in the room uh, as I was teaching these students about acting, they sent him in the room to sort of surprise me. And it was a real, it was quite emotional because literally everything that I, all the clothes, the roof over my head has all come from acting. And uh I wouldn't have done that if it wasn't wasn't for that one man. What was his name? Uh, Mr. Reader, Eric Reader, um, and I thanked him a million times, uh, quoted him a million times, and um, you know he literally redirected my entire life. So, did you cry? Him. Did you cry when you saw him? I did. I choked up a little bit. I've got to be honest with you. Yeah, it's it's, I, and, I, and I kind of always do because I, I I kind of think if it wasn't for him, I don't know what I'd be doing now. I'd probably be. I don't know what I don't know. I don't know what I'd be doing. I'd probably be. Um, it's 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 it doesn't even bear thinking about because because uh, there really aren't that many opportunities to get out. Acting is a great way of getting out, and, and I've been successful at it, um, and I've been very lucky, uh, lucky, lucky, you know, with with what it's given me. But uh, short of that, I don't know what I don't know where where I. Where, where would I have succeeded? How would I have, how would I have traveled? How would I have seen the world? How would I have experienced life? Um, it, it's, it's kind of frightening to think about it. Really. Do you think, were you ever, like I, I was one of those guys who was just uncomfortable with who I was. I didn't know who I was. I didn't have a lot of confidence. You know, I didn't hear, I love you from my dad. I didn't hear you're good. I didn't hear any of that shit. So when I started acting, it was the first time people noticed me. So I felt mm. like, oh, as long as I don't have to be me, I'm good. So being these characters, being in shows, being getting this acknowledgement, that's what saved me ultimately. And also has slowly destroyed me in a lot of ways because that's the only way I know what success is. I'm like, oh, happiness is having someone tell you you're great. Oh, that feels good. But then it goes away, right? It goes away. So it's not sustained. I, I, um, I didn't remember, you know, if, you know, if the, you know doing, doing theater for a while and, you know, in, you know, having some some success in theatre, and, and then you know, you know, getting on the television, and you know, some you know, making money and being on the TV every couple of nights, and you know, the girls are looking at you, and all, this, and all you can get into the clubs, and suddenly people are buying you a drink, and it's great for a while. You get laid a couple of times, and, oh yeah, you know, it, but then it very quickly 
lost its luster to me. I, I, very quickly got dull and boring. And um, I'm glad I went through it as, 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 a, uh, as a living experience, but there's, there's uh, you know, all that recognition stuff and this desire for, um, for uh, some kind of acceptance or acknowledgement, I, I, it wasn't about that for me. It very, very quickly wasn't about that for me. It was, it was um, you know, I love doing what I do. Uh, uh, I love telling stories. Uh, and, I, and I love acting, and, uh, and it, but it's not, it's not something I do for acknowledgement anymore. I think I, did, I used to, but, but I, I do it. And then, you know, then, I, then there was, this was, there's been times when I've just done it for the money. Uh, but, but now I'm really trying to do it because I want, now I want to do it because I really enjoy the art form. And I really enjoy, you know, working with specific people and, and um, uh, you know, I want to get a specific thing out of a specific role. So, so it's not, it's no longer about the acknowledgement from the outside for me. That's a healthy attitude. And that takes, that takes some time. It's taken me 30 years. You know, it's taken me 30 years. You know, I'm, I'm, you know, I, and I've just written this book, as I said, where I've sort of, because I had a nervous, I had a breakdown, a psychotic breakdown when I came out of drama school, two years out of drama school, spent two weeks in a mental institution. And um, it was tough. You know, I lost my mind. Um, and I kind of recovered from that, sort of got better, put it in a box, buried it for 30 years. And a couple of years ago, I did a documentary where I retraced my steps to find out what the fuck that was all about, um, which was really scary and very, uh, it was a very scary time because I, as I said, I, I buried it so deep, I, I didn't think I'd ever find it. But throughout doing this documentary, it was suddenly right there. You know, the pain of what, why I'd gone crazy and, and, it's just the reality of, of, of having a breakdown, you know, really came home. And that um, was, that was the, uh, my psychosis and me on the BBC. Was that me? Yeah. Uh, it was really tough. The toughest thing I've ever done, but I was given, I was given my uh, medical records, uh, during a sequence of filming and, um, I couldn't look at it. I, I looked at it once and it terrified me. It's a, it's a record of all the things I said as I was crazy. And it's really tough to read. And uh, I put it in an envelope and I put it on the shelf at the back there and I didn't look at it for two years. And um, when I started to write this book, I knew I had to look at it. I knew I had to look at it. So I spent six months with it, looking at it, reading it. And it was scary. But uh, now that I've sat with it, now that I've been with that pain and been with that, been with all that, all the stuff that sent me crazy, it's actually made me stronger. I feel better. I feel like I got in touch with the things that really made me vulnerable, the things that really made me, uh, that, that ticked me over the edge. You know, and, you know, I've, I've sort of deciphered the things that I'm saying, sort of almost like, a, almost like how you can interpret a dream. But I... But I I think I've sort of interpreted the things I'm saying, and it's been a really interesting journey to uncover your deepest, darkest secrets, and um, and to look at your crazy self, uh, and sort of come to terms with it, and kind of and kind of hold it, and, and not be afraid of it anymore. And and uh, I 
feel as though um, I, I feel as though it's been a really healing process for me. And now there's not really that much that um, terrifies me or frightens me anymore. Or um, you know, I feel I feel very I feel very in possession of of myself for the first time in a in in many 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 years, and uh, I can be really honest with myself. So, and I, I don't think I could be before. Um, so so I feel pretty good about I feel pretty good about where I am and and the, the work that I've been doing on self. I still see a therapist. Um, that you know uh, that, that that sort of that I speak to every week. And that's been really helpful, really, really helpful. And it keeps me in touch with the work on self. And you know, this can be very isolating. You know what it's like when you're working away, you're in a hotel room or you're in an apartment somewhere. And, and it's, even, it's even more crazy in COVID because, you know, we're literally, we've kind of subtly been asked not to go out or subtly been asked not to go, down, go to a bar or go to a restaurant because you could catch COVID. Right. So we're all sort of going to work and coming home. Go to work, come home. Go to work, come home, and that's it. That's been it for like five months, and it's been it's been mind-numbingly tough. Yeah. But um, you know, the book. You know, I, I sat here and I spent my time writing the book, and and um, and uh, I, I, it's been a really. I think this whole period has been very has been uh, been very helpful for me to kind of get in touch with something which is a bit deeper. Well, you know, you're incredibly brave. And I, I, I say that with the utmost respect because, you know, I talk a lot about anxiety, depression, therapy and things like that. It's kind of something that just comes up a lot of times. Uh, you know, I had the guy, Stephen Amell, who's a friend of mine from Arrow, had an anxiety attack on the show. And he said, record it, keep it going, air it. I want this is important. And that's brave. And like, you know, I look at what you've done and what you're doing. And a lot of people would say, you know, thank God now it's starting to open up a little where people are talking about therapy. They're talking about maybe see it used to be where no one talked about it. And I came from a household where my dad wouldn't even go near it. You know, he easily could say the word crazy or this, but you know, and he has his own things, his own issues. But I look at you as somebody who opens up and says, this is my life. This is, this is what happened. This is what I overcame, what I faced. And it's just huge. I mean, it's, you know, and I think about when you said you had that break and you went to a mental institution and the first thing that came to mind was, well, what caused that break? Like, was it, is it partly genetic? Is it uh, something you were going through? It was, you're not yourself. You couldn't, what, what, what happened to get you to that point? A uh, mixture of things. You know, it, it was partly, partly what was genetic. My, my father had a breakdown. So I guess it should have put me on high alert. Um, and, you know, I've learned so much, you know, through, through the investigation of trying to understand what, what, what psychosis is. Um, uh, but yes, my father, um, had, uh, a bout of hypertension, uh, and I have, and as I say, I have learned that it can, it can be genetic. It can pass from, um, through the family. Um, but, but also, you know, first generation, uh, you know, uh, uh, um, immigrants, um, being in a city, uh, can, can, can cause it. Adolescence can cause it. You know, training to, uh, 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 through through this, I've been staggered. I have to say, buddy, staggered by the number of young actors who have had breakdowns, young um, students who have had breakdowns. The number of people. Once when I when I did my when I when my documentary came out, at least three 
teachers and principals independently called me after the documentary came out and said, thank you for doing what you did, amazing documentary, but can you please speak to my student? He's a, he's a young black kid. He's had a breakdown as well. And, you know, he, you know, he's seen what you've done. And Can you speak to him and kind of pull him out of it? And I couldn't do it at the time because I was just too raw. The whole fucking thing was just, it just left me just, it really left me really raw and exposed. I'm better now, but I, uh, but when it went out, I, I, the fucking whole world was like, knew my business. And, and uh, it was tough because I'd walk down the street next day and people were, and I've always, you know, as, as actors, we have this sort of veneer of, Unapproachability sometimes. People are, people are a little bit, oh, that's the guy from TV. I'm alone, give him, give him a wide berth. That gone. People were like, Mr. Harewood, I just want to say thank you so much. My mom had a breakdown. My dad had a breakdown. My uncle, this happened to my brother. People were just coming up to me nonstop on the street telling me that it happened to their moms, their dads, their brothers, their sisters. And it was painful because, you know, you'd find yourself on the street sobbing with complete strangers. And what, it, what the documentary did, it seemed to give people license to talk about it. It gave people a language yeah. to talk about it. Whereas before, no one, it's so taboo, no one talks about it, mm-hmm. which I didn't realize. And that's one of the reasons why I did it. Is, you know, people talk about anxiety. People talk about depression all the time. Nobody talks about psychosis because it's, you lose your mind. Fucking men in the white coats come and take you away. How do you know, you've, how do you know you've lost your mind? It's hard, but you know, it's 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 uh, when it comes to psychosis, it's normally it's normally uh, uh, preceded by a sort of mania, like a, a like a, a rushing, a, like a euphoria. You know, you see people who've got you know they're talking like hundred miles an hour, or they're, they're really you know you see people on the tube and they're covered in colours, bright colours, you know, and you can see that they're clearly not quite right. Th- these are people on that they're starting to start lose lose their grip with reality. And what can happen is you get these delusions and you get hallucinations. Thought disorders, where your thoughts are jumbled, you know, where you're, you're talking 100 miles an hour, or you might think you can control the weather, you might think that you can speak to aliens from another planet. You know, those, it's delusions and hallucinations. And I had them for months. And, um, it, it, you know, the reason why a lot of people don't seek help is because... Sometimes it's actually quite exciting. It's like this, it's like dopamine. It's like a rush of adrenaline and dopamine in your mind. And you're racing, you're racing. And it's hard to, it's hard to, to spot. Your friends might spot it. Your friends might say, a bit bizarre. the behavior's a bit bizarre today, you know. But you might think, I'm fucking great. I'm, having, I'm great. I'm having a great time. Do you know what? I've got this great idea to do. And you're, you know, you're suddenly you're writing plays and, I've got one guy who said to me, he wrote a whole play, <laughs> you know, because he just was just buzzing out of his mind. And it's, 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 it is difficult to spot, but, you know, it's treatment has become a better now. And, um, you know, if you've got friends or family and loved ones, the earlier they can get you help, the better. The earlier you acknowledge that there's a problem, the better. And I will say this to you, that had I had my breakdown in America, I would be dead. I would have been shot. Why is that? No fucking two ways about it. I had seven policemen sitting on me, holding me down in the hospital um, to to give me a rapid, what they call a rapid tranquilization, which was to sedate me and, uh, and, and knock me out. I was screaming at the top of my voice and very distressed. 
And um, and I was very lucky that my friends were were, were with me, um, and were sort of pleading with everyone around that you know I just wasn't a, a crazy big black man, because the minute you lose it in in out there on the street, particularly in America, if you're going a little bit, you could be homeless or yes. You see, it's not. It's this is. It's what 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 I what I think they've done really well in England. What they're starting to do is to separate the criminality from the mental health aspect of it, mm. and and I don't think they do that in the states. If you are, and I think there was one guy there a couple of years ago who was literally running down the middle of the street naked. They put a spit hood on, put a spit hood on him because we were laughing at him. And in the end, I think he died, you know, with by asphyxiation. Asphyxiation, they just fucking shot him. <sighs> so you know, I, I think mental health is a huge subject in America. Black mental health is a huge subject in America, but I think it's a tricky one to um, broach. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot of there's, there's a lot of uh, um, there's a lot of air around around mental health um, around black mental health. Uh, you know, we're starting to discuss that in England now, um, but but I, but I you know I'm not sure it's a conversation that's where the mental health conversation has, has been really drilled into in the States. So you didn't go in on your own behalf. One of your friends said it's time. Like they, well, how did that happen? A friend of yours? Yeah. They, 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 uh, intervention thing. Started to get, started to get wind that something wasn't right. And, you know, friends started turning up at my door and I was like, Hey, great to see you guys. And, you know, they'd come in and we'd speak and, I'd crash out for, you know, I'd crash out for four hours and wake up and come back. Oh, you're still here. You know, and they were like, fuck me, Dave's not, something's not right here. So, so they, it took them a long time to persuade me to go go to the doctors. And then when I finally went, it didn't go particularly well. And um, the doctor was uh, just a bit dismissive, really. Um, And we, he gave us a bottle of tablets. And and um, but his dismissive his dismissive dismissive manner kind of upset all of us. And I remember we all got back to the house and I looked at the tablets and I went, guys, are we really gonna? What do we think about this? And we and we all of us sort of sat there and went, I think he was talking bollocks. And we, we threw him in the bin. And uh, and and I, you know, three weeks later, I had a massive breakdown, massive psychological breakdown. Well, I just lost control of it. Lost control. I wasn't sleeping. And I was very Hyper, so so, uh, um, I'm not, but I was lucky that uh, I was lucky that they came back to, to the house and uh, found me and decided to try and drive me to Birmingham, which was to where my where my mother lived. But on the way out of London, I started passing out and 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 uh, I, they, they thought I was dying, so they drove me to a hospital where I where I collapsed. And was put in a wheelchair and then leapt out of his wheelchair and ran screaming around the hospital. Screaming. I don't remember any of this, but I was screaming. And, um, and you're not on anything. Could, you're not on anything at this point. This is just the, the break. Yeah. And you're screaming around. Okay. Very, very disturbed. Very, as I say, very, I have these voices in my head. I mean, it's a whole, it's a whole, right. <laughs> we'll do a whole program. But it's, <laughs> I mean, it was extraordinary. When you, when you hear voices in your head, yeah, I'm not talking about whispers. I'm talking about full-on 
baritone voice echoing around my head. And I'm like, wow. It's three o'clock in the morning. And it's Martin Luther King. David, I'm here to tell you. Next stage, I'm, I'm fucking hearing his voice in my head. And I'm, and I'm like, he's telling me this whole fucking thing about this galactic, this fucking extraterrestrial fucking thing. That he, he was telling me that the minute he was shot, it's such a crazy idea, but the minute he was shot, he said, the minute he died, reality became, he said, I, he said remember I did that speech, I have a dream. I said, yes. He says, well, I'm speaking to you now. Reality is my dream. And you are living in my dream. And uh, I have to, I'm, 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 I'm contacting various, various people around the world who tonight are going to sacrifice themselves and uh, close the gap between good and evil and rid the world of poverty and illness and badness. It was huge. Wow. It was fucking huge. And I'm sobbing in my bedroom thinking, this is extraordinary. It can't be real. He said, yes, it's all real. You have to get up. You have to walk to this place, walk to Camden, which was about an hour walk from where I live. And I walked all the way to this place that he told me to walk to. And obviously it was fucking close. It's three o'clock in the morning. And then I, and, and I, I was like, this, is, this, isn't, this, isn't, this isn't right. Something's, something's wrong. And then he gets in my ear and he goes, David, you've got to be very careful. Things are really going wrong. And it was extraordinary. Wow. And, uh, that was the night it all went horribly wrong. And the following day I was sectioned and spent five days on a mental ward um, uh, being, being given three times the legal dose of tranquilizer, of, of sedatives. Now, here's, here's the other thing. You know, you've got a big black man on your psych ward. You're terrified of him. What do you do? You knock him the fuck out. So I was given... And this is, I've only found this 30 years later and, 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 and you know, ha- having given it to a, a, a psychotherapist to, 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 to cast their eye over. She said, well, the first thing I'm going to say is you were given three times the legal doses of tranquilizers. <sighs> and I have no idea why. I, and I said, well, I used to, they were trying to knock you out, she said. They were just literally trying to get, put you out. And you can imagine that. Right? It could have killed imagine you. imagine that happening. Yeah. And people die. The reason why, and it's all in the documentary, but the, the reason why the, the, the loads of people were dying whilst being restrained by the police, and lots of people do die um, being restrained while they're being medicated uh, and being restrained while they're being arrested. So they're trying to take the criminality out of uh, your mental health experience. So this... This, there's a, a whole section in, in the documentary where I speak to this new, a, a new, a new, uh, it, it's a new way of working in, in, in Birmingham, where, where I'm from, which is where rather than sending the police on mental health, if there's a mental health aspect, if someone's running down the street naked, the guy's obviously clearly not well. So rather than calling the police, you will call a special unit, which is made up of a mental health nurse a social worker, a pediatrician, um, uh, a, a policeman. And uh, uh, so, so it's, a, it's more holistic. Right. So rather than the copper jumping out and bashing you over the head, it might be the mental health nurse that gets out and tries to talk to you, assess the situation, gets you on, and then they start working out what, how, 
what's the best way to treat this person? Rather than putting him in fucking handcuffs, throwing him in the back of the police van and locking him in a police cell for four hours, which is what happened wow. to me. Wow. What was it that sort of saved you in a way? Sort of what, obviously they had to get you on a certain medication, probably an antipsychotic or something, or they, what was it that just, was it uh, just a, between therapy and getting you in the right meds and getting your head straight? I mean, how did that, how did that all work? I have no idea. You know, I, I, I um, um, you know, I mean, I, I was basically given a bottle of tablets and, you know, the old gag, keep taking the tablets. You know, it was, I, I was released from my five days of, of, of institutionalized sort of medication and, and just given a bottle of tablets. And, um, you know, very, very quickly started spinning out of control again uh, soon after that. Uh, my mother was great. My mother basically just took me back to her place. I went left London, went back to my mom's place, and she uh, she uh, observed me like a hawk for about a month, giving me half a tablet and giving me a quarter of a tablet and giving me, you know, a little bite of a tablet, right. slowly weaning me off this medication. And I'm lucky that, that you know I'm. I think there's 15 percent of people. In, on fifteen uh, percent of psychotic patients who never need further medication, uh, or, or or never have uh, you know never have further issues, and I guess I fall into that category because I've never really needed anything since since that last quarter of a tablet. Wow, talk about intense! And by the way, the documentary again is My Psychosis and Me on the BBC, correct? Mm -hmm. Psychosis and Me. Psychosis and Me. I mean, yeah. <sighs> You know, did you for a while think that, why did I, why was I so open about this? This is going to ruin my career. Did you have those thoughts in the beginning? And then obviously I it has. Scared, I got scared the night it went out. I mean, I, 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 I you know, I, I watched it for a year because we, we shut it and then the BBC didn't want to, didn't want to put it out until the following year because they wanted to put it out in a whole season on mental health films. And when I first saw the trailer, I was fucking terrified. I suddenly panicked and I thought, why did I do that? I should never have done this. Right, right. And I didn't watch it. I was really scared. And the minute it finished, I went to bed actually, I went to bed early. And the minute it finished, just every device, every device in the house was <laughs> pinging, ringing, buzzing, bleeping. And it was just emails and texts from people who saw it, who had seen it, who were just like, just blown away by it. And, um, blown away by what it what it was what it was revealing because I meet other people other people who are suffering from psychosis and you know I think we did more in an hour to reduce the stigma of psychosis than there has been in like 20 years yeah because I've some people were talking about it and calls about psychosis to the to the mental health charity mind in England rose by 107 percent the next day so People were suddenly going, do you know what? I think I've got a problem. Well, do you know what? I think my son's having a problem. Do you know what? I think now I know what it is. Now now I know, you know, I need to speak to somebody about it. And now so, all the health officials in England are going, that fucking David Harewood, we're overwhelmed now. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> the fuck did he do? Don't show the documentary again. My God. So look, um, Supergirl, bad transition. However, it's a transition. Did you know anything yeah, about... Yeah, yeah, no. Did you, did you know anything about John Jones, Martian Manhunter, 
uh, at all when you first <laughs> got this? Because I don't even know Nothing anything really about him anyway. I mean, what, what did you do to prepare? They said you have an audition for this, or did you just get an offer for it? Or No, I got, a, I got an offer to play. Uh, I was originally just playing Hank Henshaw, just right. the, the guy who runs the DEO. Right. And, um, I, I think Jeff Johns and Andrew Kreutzberg were, were watching the pilot being shot one day. And I, I think Jeff John said, fucking guy's great. You know, he'd make a great martial man actor. And they looked at each other and went, fucking do it. So they just sort of, they didn't tell me about it. They only told me after the pilot had finished. So once I was in England and shooting a job in Morocco called The Night Manager. And they, my, man, my, my agent called me and said, yeah, they want to make you an offer on that Supergirl, but they want to change your character. And I was like, what? They said, yeah, they want to make you somebody else. And I was like, well, who's that? And I emailed the bosses and they were saying, well, it's very exciting, but we're not going to tell you until it's all, you know, all the, you know, crosses and dots and I, you know, all, you know, everything signed off. Uh, and I flew to LA to shoot the pilot. And I think I got there two weeks early or something. And I phoned up and I said, guys, you know, I need to know who the fuck I'm playing. <laughs> so can I come and meet, can I come and come in and meet you guys? So I went in to meet Andrew. And he just gave me this pile of comics and said, you're going to be the Martian Manhunter. And um, You said who? I'd never heard of it. I read Marvel. I read uh, The Hulk and Fantastic Four. I didn't read DC. I wasn't a DC. I never read anything. I, think I was Lex Luthor. I never read one comic book. I didn't know. I just said, fuck it. I, I'm gonna, yeah. I, get, I, I know where you're going from. Comics, all over comics. So, so I, so, but I didn't know the story. So I went home and read The Martian Manhunter. Fucking loved it. Loved it. I just thought he was great, great character. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, been, it's been fun. It's been slightly, you know, you know, they, they, they can't quite afford, you know, he's one of the strongest, most capable characters in the DC camera. But they just can't afford to do his powers. So they, you know, it's like I'm, I'm playing him on a budget, basically. So I, I I'm, I'm, I'm like, it's, it's like, so it's been, it's been really, it's been like. Sometimes I get my butt kicked. So I'm like, how the fuck is this guy beating me up? You know, you know. So, so I, often, oftentimes, oftentimes I've had to sort of, you know, just create, create, create a kind of whole new iteration of the character because um, it doesn't quite match. You know, with this sort of all-powerful, fantastically capable character that's in, in the comic books. You know, um, it's not—it's not my show. I can't save the day. Right. So it's Supergirl's show. She has to save the day. So, so, um, so a, a lot of the times I have to sort of, and I, and I, I, I sussed it. I sussed it in the very first season, just before the finale. I'll get taken out. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll get taken out by some radiation fucking beam from space that knocks me out that I can't save the day. I know, I know. And it, it happens every, it happened in every finale. I was literally, <laughs> before the finale, I'd get some sort of, some fucking alien stone placed around my neck, which disabled me for what, the entire what have you, finale. What have you not done as, a, as that character that fans are like, well, he could do this. Why isn't he doing that? Oh, we can read minds. He can, um, <laughs> uh, uh, he can uh, teleport. I mean, uh, there's a whole list of them out there on the, on on on, um, 
on on uh, online. But right, right. He's, a, he's he's an extremely capable character, but unfortunately, we just can't afford it. So so it's 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 been like it's been like playing him on a bit of a budget. Is it weird being in the final season of a show that when someone I, I don't know if anybody's ever said this is your final season. No one's ever told me that. So you never know. But as an actor, is it harder to go in there and have something to really, you know, want to or you just suck it up? And how does that work? I was quite, I was, I'm, I'm quite, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready to check out. I've, I've got to be honest. I'm ready to, I'm ready to move on. So it was quite, it was quite a relief when they said it's the final season. I was, I was okay with that. Okay. I, I'm kind of, okay, I'm okay with going home. I'm, I'm okay with being around my family. Um, I took the job for a specific reason, and those reasons have been the, the, that box has been ticked. Um, you know, it's it's you know, I've got some 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 money in the bank, which has been great. Cemented my, you know, my sort of uh, uh, position as you know as a, as, a, as an actor in the Ameri- in the American sort of a world. And you got more uh, fans. You got a shitload of fans now. You got a shitload of fans that love Marsha Manhunter. <laughs> Load of fans. Um, it's been great. So you know. So, but, but I'm, I'm I'm ready to ch- I'm ready to move on. It's 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 like it's like doing panto for like 17 years. You know, at, at some point you want to move on. Yeah. And 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 do another genre. Yeah. All right. This is called shit talking with David Harewood. This is rapid fire. These are from fans on my Patreon. Lovely Patreon. Go to Patreon.com/slash/inside inside. Mary B. If there were really extraterrestrials, do you think they would be friendly or hostile? Uh, on Supergirl, you have a mix of both on Supergirl. I think there'd be a mix of both. Mike E, how was it to play Ma- Martian Manhunter opposite two Justice League uh, voice veterans and one who voiced Martian Manhunter in the animated series? Awesome. Carl Lumbee. Uh, love Lumley. I worked with him. Absolutely brilliant. And I, I, I love the pair of them. Uh, it's, it's, it was a real pleasure being on set. Taylor K, David, is there anything in your career that a producer or director wanted you to do that you weren't comfortable with? Uh... Not really, no. I'm trying to, I don't tend to throw myself in. Sophie M, do you have a favorite guest star who has appeared on Supergirl? Carl Lumbee. Wasn't he the best? I worked with him on uh, Justice League, and we, I love him. I just had him on the podcast. Amazing. He's a lovely man, a genuinely lovely man. I miss him. I agree. Connor W, I have a lot of respect for your charity work, including Soccer Aid. My question is, what was the episode in Supergirl that made you most nervous going in? Made me most nervous? Um... Did you have to get naked or something? I've never been naked. There's, there's no nudity in Supergirl. Um, <laughs> I, I, I would say, I would say, just some of the emotional stuff. Some of the emotional stuff. Where he talks about his family. That, some, that, that, you know, because that, that takes you to a dark place. It always takes you to a, you know, you have to, you have to always have to pull on, pull on some, some pretty emotional strings when you start talking about the, the, the uh, you know, the, the loss of his family. And so, sometimes they were, uh, you know, they were, they were tough to do. Olga C, what character did you view totally different as a child versus as an adult? The Hulk. Uh, you, know, as, uh, you know, for me, it was always that. The Hulk was always smash, smash Hulk. <laughs> and, and uh, I, you know, I, I, I loved it. I, I, big green man, I loved it. But I guess as, I, as I've grown older, you know, and, and I love how Marvel have, you know, made him, made him more of a, think, a, thinking, a thinking beast, as it were. Uh, I, I, I like that. That's my, that's a good change. Well, look, I, I really love how open you are. It's certainly going to touch a lot of people, and you've already touched a lot of people with um, your mental health ambassadorship. I'm going to make that word up. You like that ambassadorship? I don't think it's a word, but you were you were awesome on Homeland, and you worked with my friend Morena Backran. Did you have scenes with her ever? 
Yes, I did. Yes, lots of scenes. She's great. She's fucking awesome. Yeah. I mean, I wish I had more to do with her. Uh, but but yeah, she's 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 a great girl. Well, uh, what's your handles so people can follow you? Just at David Harewood, all there, all one word. My name, David, D-A-V-I-D-H-A-R-E-W-O-O-D. Well, this has been a real treat. I really appreciate you being on here. I hope you had fun. It wasn't bad, right? Oh, yeah, it's great. I mean, I, loved your, I, I, I love your style. Uh, it's been fun. It has been fun. I hope you come back, and good luck. Continue success with everything. Get your COVID test. All my health and happiness to you, buddy. Thanks, man. All appreciate right. it. That was powerful. Yeah. I mean, you know, you try not to poke or try to, but I always want to go deeper. Like, well, but why is that? Well, what did you, you know, I'm always trying to figure out like how it happens. And he painted the picture pretty, pretty good. Pretty, pretty well. Yeah. He's really been through it. He's been through it. And I think, I think when you're through it and you can address that you've been through it, I think it just makes you stronger. It really does. They always say what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And yeah. I mean, whew. to be so honest, too, uh, I, I know a lot of people, if they had any kind of break, first of all, would never go get checked in, would never agree to anything. Or if they did, they would not let anyone ever know. They didn't yeah. feel shame. And I don't know how many times I've told you guys that um, the only way, I mean, we're going to ever really love ourselves and love others, at least for me, is if you start to acknowledge who you really are and be honest to yourself and take care of yourself. So um, anyway, yeah, that, that, that hit me. That hit me pretty strong. Uh, remembering the concert, it is our concert is this Saturday, May 29th. It's online. You can watch it. Please watch it. If you haven't listened, watched us, Sunspin, two shows, 2 p.m., 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. There's prizes. There's Zooms. There's, uh, you know, it's going to be a lot of fun. In fact, the top bidder gets a uh, uh, an encore. We Zoom them with an encore if they want with a couple songs. Oh, nice. So it'll be nice. And uh, you can go to sunspin.com for all the information. Book the band. Book a Zoom with us. Anything you want. We'll have fun. We always have fun. And if you want any Inside of You merch, go to uh, Inside of You online store. There's tons of great stuff. Let's give a, a discount code for today. Um, how about... Ryan's vaxxed 15. How many X's? Ryan's vaxxed, no apostrophe, one X. Ryan's vaxxed 15 for 15% off the Inside of You Online store. Lex Luther pictures in Smallville and Inside of You mugs and shirts and a bunch of great stuff. I have some fanny packs left. I think I only have like three, two, maybe one or two fanny packs. Well, so get them while they last. Autograph tumblers, autograph hats, whatever you want. It's all there the inside of you online store and ryan again if they want to subscribe to the show uh you go to apple podcast spotify or you go to youtube.com slash inside of you with michael rosenbaum you can go to twitter at inside of you pod instagram at inside of you podcast and facebook also at inside of you podcast that is correct that is correct uh my lovely patrons my lovely page i was reading, reading a lot of great funny comments people always have their opinions and I like their opinions and they have like ideas and sometimes their ideas are really good for guests. I actually have gotten quite a few guests based on people's opinions or, or suggestions. Isn't that something? Ooh, that's helpful. Yeah. If you're a patron, I listen to you. I don't always listen to you. It's impossible to listen to all of you. There's a lot of you. There's a lot of you. And I love you all. In fact, we're going to name you all right now. And then we're going to give it up 
for the big surprise. <gasps> so here it is. Uh, these are the uh, all the patrons. Bear with me. It's only a few minutes, but I love them all, and they contribute to the show. If you want to join Patreon, patreon.com slash inside of you. Nancy D, Mary B, Leah S, Trisha F, Sarah V, Little Lisa, Yukiko, Jill E, Brian H, Lauren G, Nico P, Robin S, Jerry W, Robert B, Jason W, Apothean, Kristen K, Amelia O, Allison L, Lucas M, Raj, C, Joshua D, Emily S, CJP, Samantha M, Jennifer N, Jackie P, Stacy L, Carly H, Carly S, Jen S, Jamal F, Janelle B, Carrie B, Tabitha272, not to be confused with. Tabitha273. Ashley Ryan, Kimberly E, Mike E, Marissa N. Eldon Supremo, 99 more, Ramira, Santiago M, Sarah F, Chad W, Leanne P, Ray A, Maya P, Maddie S, Kendrick F, Ashley F, Shannon D, Matt W, they're all right here. They're right, right here on the screen. You can see them and you hear them. Uh, Ashley E, Shannon D, Matt W, Belinda N, Kevin V, James R, Chris H, Dave H, Samantha S, Spider-Man, Chase, Sheila, G, Ray, H, Tabitha, T, Tom, N, Suzanne, B, Katie F. How are you doing this? I'm remembering Liliana S. A. A. Michelle K. Marcus W. Hannah B. Michael S. Talia M. Luke H. Andrew C. T. T. Betsy Ross D. Not Betsy Ross. Okay. Claire M. She didn't do the flag. (laughs) Liz J. Laura L. We're almost done here. Chad L. Rochelle E. Nathan E. Brandel D. Taylor K, Neil A, Marion, Meg K, Janelle P, Trav L, Dan N, Jennifer J, Wayne M, Diane R, Ojeda, Lorraine G, Olga C, Corey M, Carrie H, Veronica K, Big Stevie W, Kendall T, Lindsay M, Carol D, Katie G, Sandy B, Angel M, Eric C, Rhiannon C, Stephen M, Corey K, Super Sam, Emily C, Sherry S, Coleman G, Michelle A, Riley J, Liz L, and Jeremy C., Those are the patrons, the wonderful patrons. And now for the surprise you've all been waiting for this entire time, Ryan is vaxxed. We've been dying to do this. It's been a year. I'm vaxxed and we're going to hug it out. I smell good. Thanks, man. It's uh, Burberry Brit I wear. Oh. Yeah. That felt good. My old friend Ryan, I got to hug him. Oh, thank God. We waited over a year for that. (laughs) That's your surprise. You're like, that's the surprise? Come here, Blanche. Say hello to everybody. Come here. Oh, my God. Come here. Come here. No. No, no. Get over here. Come here. Come here. Right here. Yes, you're a little good girl. A little good girl right there. People don't want to hear this. Uh, I love you guys. Thank you so much for all the uh, support and love and dedication to the show. Spread the word. I know you do. I see your tweets. I see your messages. You're so damn awesome. So thank you. Thank you. And thank you, listeners, if you're here for David Harewood. And uh, hopefully you'll stick around for the next one. From myself, Michael Rosenbaum, and uh, myself, Ryan Tez, here in the Hollywood Hills, Hollywood Hills, California. Uh, let's take a look up at the camera. Give a wave to the camera up there. Hey guys, we love you. Thank you for allowing to be in. Let me thank you for allowing me to be inside <laughs> of each and every one of you. Till next time. Promise me you'll be good to yourself. Be grateful. Um, life's good, man. We're here. Let's try to make the most of it. That's my dog. You agree. Blanche. She agrees. All right, Blanche. Now beat it.
All right. Love you guys. Thanks. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was a three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.